Now you have on this podcast voice. Hey Janelle. This is my regular voice. Hey Janelle. Hey Janelle. How are you today? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure you can hear me. Great. Yes, I can. Oh my God. Of course we'd be cracking up like in the first 10 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, okay, uh, okay. Let's get yes, to bloopers. it. Okay. So, hey everyone, I'm Jasmine Kent, and this is the first episode of Motherhood in Progress. Really excited. Um, I'm joined by my best friend, Janelle Adams, who I'm so thankful for, (laughs) because she's been pushing me to do this podcast ever since I brought it up like four years ago. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, let's get to it. Uh, Janelle and I met in 2009, and she's much more than that 18-year-old that I knew back then. (laughs) She's 31 now. Wait, can I say your age? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, I already said it. So <laughs> so Janelle Adams, all right, it's going to be a long list because she's so smart and so accomplished, but um, here we go. She's got her undergrad degree in econ at the Georgia Institute of Technology, which I also mm-hmm. attended. She's got it. Yes. She's got her master's of public policy at Georgia State University. Her master's of education in school psychology, also at Georgia State University. So count that up. That's two masters. Um, (laughs) She's got a strategic data fellowship that she did at Harvard, a project management certificate at Cornell. And she's going to graduate next May 2023 as an educational specialist in school psychology and will be a future doctor of school psychology in May 2025. Did I get that right? (laughs) You got it right. How, like, wait, we've been friends for a long time, and you've, you've really done a lot. Like, when did all this happen? I know. It's it's so, you know, unbelievable. It really has been, like, a lot of stuff. I'm listening to you read, and I'm like, all right, yeah. This is it, though. May 2025, <laughs> I'm done. I'm not going back to the end. After that, I, it's it. Like, I'm coasting. No or more. So you say. You might want another PhD in something else. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I, need to, I just need to finish now. My eyes are on the target. <laughs> well, I think the nuance here is that in, during one of your master's, you were pregnant, right? Yes. Um, so my last master's, which I just graduated this May of 2022, um, I was pregnant with my second daughter, um actually when I started this PhD program I was pregnant with my first daughter Mm -hmm. (laughs) so she we were I started pregnant with Zuri that's her name she's gonna be three next week and she went to classes with me I mean she did everything from in utero to even now the three-year-old and then I got pregnant again while I was in the program um I just had my second daughter whose name is Noni Oh my God, Gnomes, who I affectionately call Rue for some (laughs) (laughs) So I think all this wrapped up, you are a wife, you're a mother of two, Zuri and Noni, and you're a big, big advocate for education. I mean, I feel like that means you're going to be like a great mom in general. (laughs) These kids don't be smart. These kids don't be really smart. Thank you. I know. So... I guess I'll just get to some questions, but I don't really want it to be like an interview. Like, you know, I feel like it's like it's conversation. And if you go on a tangent or we talk about something else, 
that's okay. totally fine too. Okay. But kind of the first section I wanted to start off with was like probably really early, like choosing motherhood. Like when did you decide mm-hmm. that you wanted to have kids? And like, what did that look like? I'm going to be really honest with you. I always knew I wanted to be a wife. I knew I wanted to be married and have, I'm a hopeless romantic for all of y'all that don't know, Jasmine <laughs> knows, but I'm a hopeless romantic. I believe in just like fairy tale love, like all of that. Um, so I knew I was wanting to be a wife. I did not really, I, I was never the person that said, oh, I want to be a mommy one day or I want to have this many kids or that many kids. Like that was just not me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess really maybe after I met my husband, um, like way still. later into our, yeah, <laughs> still, um, way into our relationship, way, way, way into our relationship, like probably even after we were married I'm like I almost felt like the nat- the next natural step was to be a mom not necessarily that I just wanted to be a mom that was one of my, yeah. one of my lifelong goals it's like oh you got married now you're supposed to have kids like that's kind of how that went mm-hmm. um so yeah I guess after I got married was when I really felt like okay I should probably be a mom <laughs> <laughs> Like that's the logical next step, or that's the next, next step. step exactly. But it wasn't like my like desire necessarily. Not that I had anything against it. To be honest, yeah. I was just really fearful. I mean, everything I saw growing up um, was motherhood or really childbirth was painful. I yeah. thought maybe like I would die. I had some really serious fears around childbirth. So mm-hmm. I think in my mind, those things probably blocked me from pursuing any desires of wanting to really be a mom and yeah I was like "Mm -mm." Uh, when you got to that point of like this is the logical next step how did you I guess address those fears because you obviously ended up becoming pregnant so (laughs) twice (laughs) twice (laughs) we'll get to that one later (laughs) oh lord um honestly I I'm a very open person so I communicated those fears to a lot of different people and one of the people I spoke to um, she gave me a book called Supernatural Childbirth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she just started really talking to me about, you know, um, like un- unwiring, what's the word? I don't, I'm trying unlearning. to think of, un- unlearning things, that's the word. Unlearning okay. some of the things that I, you know, traditionally thought about childbirth. Um, and then her and some other people became just kind of like, a community for you know listening to positive experiences and Mm -hmm. then I did this um I mean this is not chronological but another thing that helped me was this thing called hypno baby okay Um, and one of the cds and tracks that they have you listen to is positive affirmations and it also goes along with that whole unlearning thing so it talks about like you repeat these affirmations to yourself every morning um around like you know pregnancy is natural it's safe you know mm-hmm. your body's healthy your mind like, you just keep saying these things to yourself and then you know eventually your brain starts to believe these things and it kind of like calms your body down so yeah between her reading some books listening to positive I was intentionally seeking out positive stories and yeah you know not listening to all of the traumatic things that can happen because that is real they do happen I tried to kind of ignore those, not bury myself in the sand type of way, but just like, I need to hear um, how differently this could look. And I'm going to be honest, if you're okay with this, because one of the things that also helped me a lot 
for y'all who don't know how open I'm an open book, but Jasmine is also an open book. <laughs> I am. Sent, she sent her friend group, our one of our friend groups, um, a video of her giving birth, and that video changed my whole perspective what? of what childbirth looks like. You never said that to me. Yes, I because know yes, it was one of, actually one of the key things. For me, because I'm like, okay, like, this is what it looks like. Because what happened for me growing up is, like, people were pregnant and then they weren't. Like, I didn't know what happened between you having a belly and the baby coming out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was like this big unknown. It's just a mystery. You come back all cooing and all this stuff. But then on TV, the filler was screaming and grunting and sweating and passing out. I was like, oh. But when you sent your video, you were super calm. This might be, I don't know how graphic we're getting, but nah. you were on like all fours. Yeah. You were just, bre- you were breathing through, just breathing through, breathing through. And then Amina came out and you started bawling over her. It was just the most oh beautiful thing. God. I watched it so many times. Oh and I was God, like, I oh cry. my gosh, childbirth is beautiful. It is not what it's portrayed as, or it's not only, I should say, yeah, not what only. it's portrayed as. It can be a beautiful. I mean, that changed my whole perspective on giving birth oh my god i'm getting emotional yeah. right now i didn't know i had that much of an effect on you you I did i have tears in my eyes right oh, now i love too. that video yes oh my god i love that video too it just like reminds me some days i feel like some days i get into not feeling like i don't have control over anything or i can't do this i can't do that and it's like if i watch that or just remember it i feel empowered again like no i pushed this baby through my body she came mm-hmm. out <laughs> I can do anything. If I can do that, I can literally do anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh that's what that's that was the realization that came for me. I was like, okay, I can do this. My body can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I needed that video. Yeah, it's it's burned into my brain like I vividly. Oh, yeah. okay. I I'm so, I feel so happy right now. I have no words. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So. Yeah, that's going to leave a lasting impact on me. But that's also why I feel like I'm happy to do this podcast and that you push me mm-hmm. again. Because it's like the more you just don't know how much of an impact you have on people when you start to share. And mm-hmm. even if it's just one person, it really just means a lot. But yeah. so my second question is, what did you envision motherhood to be like? Because I assume you probably had, like you said, some preconceived notions, unlearned some things, mm-hmm. and then maybe even had like a new vision for what what's it going to be like. Yeah, uh, my new vision after I started unlearning <laughs> was kind of idealistic <laughs> because I'm like, oh, I think I skipped the early years. I'm like, oh, me and my daughter are going to go to brunch together <laughs> and we're going uh, <laughs> to do all of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, OK, we're, I, I kind of didn't I didn't envision the early mornings, late nights, breastfeeding every couple of hours, no sleep. <laughs> like that was not in my vision at all. Like, yeah. I mean, 100%. I skipped to the we're best friends part. Um, <laughs> so probably I'm not the best person to talk about vision. But, I, I mean, I guess what I wanted to get out of motherhood is for me to kind of help shape what the legacy of my family is going to look like. Um, because once, you know, I leave here, I'm just happy to know that there are as of right now, two other little ones that eventually will become like leaders in this space. And yeah, that's, I just wanted love, connection, a family. Um, yeah, just like the 
just those types of ideals. So I don't, I don't have like a really defined motherhood vision. All I know is just, I'm just happy to, you know, be with my little ones and my husband and it's been really great so far. Oh, that's awesome. No, that's funny. I feel like we all like try to skip to the good parts because I mean, who really envisions like the harder parts at the end of the day? <laughs> or when your toddler's throwing a tantrum, Lord. Mm. Yeah. Do we talk oh. about that, or that's another, or that's another episode? See, because, I'm thinking that might ah. be the part too because I was like, I don't know how long it'll take us to get through choosing motherhood to like your birth story stories. Oh, you're right. In your case, you know what I mean. So I right. thought like we could do pre-conception up to birth story and then if okay. you enjoyed the conversation come back for part two and we'll do like Ooh. the infanthood postpartum fourth trimester and just all the way up through toddlerhood and present times because you know Zuri oh. she's a little sassy one mm-hmm. well if you that. have me I'll be back for sure I'm gonna have you for sure <laughs> so conceiving it's gonna be like a little sexy part <laughs> but maybe not <laughs> I was gonna ask how did you conceive Sure. Um, I would say that we were graced to conceive naturally. And I say grace because I do have friends who, um, you know, struggle with PCOS or um, have gone through several rounds of IVF um, Mm -hmm. uh, or for, for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, their spouse or them or whatever challenges that they may have. So I really use that word grace intentionally. Um, because I know it, it's not always like easy. Yeah, um, I and I want to be mindful of that. Um, so we were able to do that. Uh, we'll say so. My husband's a teacher. Phil's a teacher, and so that means he works from August to May. He has the summers off, and so the planner in me was like, "All right, so trying to maximize this whole FMLA leave." I'm like, all right, let's, you know, try to conceive so we can be out around the summer, all these different things. All right, no, let's try try to plan it around a break. Like, we're trying to do all this stuff. Then I had a friend who sent us some, like, ovulation strips to tell you, like, all right, on this day at this time, like, you're most fertile. Like, you need to go at each other now. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. That was not helpful for oh, us at no. all. It was not. It was stressful because I'm like oh my gosh, we missed the window. And then it, it feels like sex just became a chore. Obligatory. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, we're having sex right now so we can have this child. It was not enjoyable. It was not romantic. It was not sexy. Like none of yeah. those things. Um, So I did not like that. Funny enough, the time that I'm specifically thinking about where we actually ended up having somewhat of an argument and when I say argument, y'all, I mean, I was upset and Phil was like, eh, because he doesn't really get upset. <laughs> it's more me. Um, I didn't know I was already pregnant. That was the funny part. Oh, so I'm planning all this stuff and trying to do all this. I was already pregnant. And th- that conception came from an unplanned, just, you know, intimate time. Yeah. No, so, I, yeah, okay. that's how God's always laughing at me, um, I think. Is that girl? Your plans. With me and my plans, you are not in control of this. So <laughs> I would say it was somewhat, pl- we were trying to plan, but God had other plans and I was already pregnant when we started trying to do the ovulation strips. And I had no idea. I have like never even heard of ovulation strips. And it's funny because mm. you would think it would be helpful. But then hearing you talk about it, it's like, mm, okay, ovulation strip says this, let's have sex right now. It's just like mm-hmm. in motion. As opposed it's to, too, yeah, making love, like conceiving a baby from love. 
Mm-hmm. We had, and then, you know, the apps do that too as well. Like they tell you like, you're ovulating now and this is the window of pregnancy uh, or the most likely time that you get pregnant, blah, blah, blah. It was just, it's still too much. Like I, I preferred it to be natural, intimate, no pressure on either of us. Yeah. Get it right. Use this position. It was just too (laughs) formulaic, too mechanical. Like it's not supposed, I don't think it was designed to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of it's course, crazy. on average, not given other extenuating circumstances that other people may be dealing with, but just on average, I'm like, Mm-mm. No, I'm glad y'all didn't have to go through all that planning, even though you thought you did. So yeah. when you, you're making the plans, you ended up already being pregnant. So how long did it actually take you to be conceived, like to conceive Missouri? Uh, I don't think it was long. It was pretty quick. I don't remember the exact time, but it was pretty quick. Like, we weren't, it wasn't, like, multiple, like, oh, we're trying this time and we didn't try. I I, I think it was just really quick. I don't remember the exact yeah. time, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that's, like, good to know kind of your emotions and thoughts around conception. I feel like it was quick for me as well. And I was mm-hmm. over here thinking, like, oh, sometimes it takes people months to get pregnant. I won't be pregnant. And I was, like, immediately pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that all works out that way. Yeah, for I know real. I'm good. Nope, be pregnant. No, I'll Actually, be I'll be straight. Shoot, who knows if everything works down there? It might not. Next thing you know, yo, it's all working. It was firing. Yo, on all cylinders. <laughs> on all Here's cylinders. the the funny but not so funny thing. So I actually thought. So I conceived during April of 2019, or. Mm-hmm. Well, somewhere around there. I don't know the exact date. Yeah. You think I would know how this works by now after my second. Um, <laughs> but in April of 2018, I thought I was pregnant. Um, so I missed my period, peed on a stick. It said I was pregnant. Ooh. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm pregnant. Um, I told one friend uh, uh, who's now Zuri's uh, godmother, I told her. And we were all working out at the gym. So me, her, and our husbands, we worked out. We were that's when I was in shape. We were working out <laughs> at the gym. And then I started bleeding. And I was like, oh, you know. It's, I looked it up on Google. I was like, oh, I'm probably just spotting or something. Yeah. But yeah. I, was, I kept bleeding. And I kept bleeding. And I'm like, this is not spotting. Like, this is not what spotting looks like. I went to Kaiser. went to their urgent care. You know, they checked me out. And they're like, you're not pregnant. Uh, I was like, oh, so I, I think it was a false positive, but those, because I don't think it was a miscarriage, or I think they would have explicitly said that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, it was very disappointing. I was really sad because in 2018, it was definitely unexpected because we weren't thinking about having a kid then. I was like, okay, yeah. well, since I'm pregnant, I guess I don't have a choice. Like, all right, it's one of those things where you weren't counting on it, but then the more you thought about it, the more you opened up to the idea and then you became actually hopeful. Yeah. So I was carrying around this hope and I was so excited and, you know, we were starting to make plans and, of course, we told one person or a, a couple mm-hmm. or, like, somebody already knows. I think my I told my sister-in-law as well and then, you know, and then you're bleeding and it's like, oh, you're not pregnant. And I was, like, shot. It was very heartbreaking and I was really sad for a while. I was like, okay, God, like, why would you do that? Yeah, so, why did you tease me with that? Yeah, I, yeah. So that was the first time I thought I was pregnant. And then, funny, literally, one year later to the exact week, that's when I became pregnant. <laughs> with Jerry. 
goodness that's like so Mm -hmm. ironic Mm-hmm. But I feel like your experience like speaks to women who probably have encountered like what was an actual miscarriage and like carrying mm-hmm. around that hope. I feel like that's why a lot of people actually don't share that they're pregnant early on because they don't want something like that to happen. Like, what is it like to kind of, I guess, hold it in and not tell people? I mean, you told one person, but you obviously kind of kept it close. Like, yeah. what is it like to have to keep it close? How does that feel? It It feels really hard because especially having told somebody and then have to walk it back from them. So when I actually became pregnant with Zuri, I was afraid to tell anyone mm-hmm. because I'm like, I don't know if this is going to happen again. Is this actually real this time? Um, and that's something you want, at least for me, I would say, I wanted to share with like my closest friends. Yeah. Um, like I'm ready to get this out there. This is a great thing. So having to keep that to myself was like really hard for me, especially like I said in the beginning, I'm a pretty open person. And I like sharing this part of my life with people that I love and people that are close to me. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was pretty hard. Wow. Well, thanks mm-hmm. for sharing that. I feel like not everyone would be comfortable with sharing something like that or an experience like that. Yeah. And like you said, for the women who actually experience miscarriages, I can only imagine mm-hmm. how much harder um, that is. Uh, yeah, that's a very yeah. big pain Um a deep pain that you have to carry with you. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, in your experience, it was more like you peed on the stick and found out you were pregnant, but you hadn't had like a doctor's appointment or mm-hmm. heard like a heartbeat or any of the extra mm-hmm. things like that. No, no. Yeah. I no. can't imagine going through those steps and then it's mm-hmm. not being there anymore. Yeah. So yeah, that seems heavy. Hopefully I get to talk to some women who share about that later, but. Maybe we can move into your pregnancy portion because I yeah, I want to hear about your pregnancy journey, like how you were feeling, what you thought. We can just start first try, second try, third try, and I can like, you know, um, ping in with some questions. But yeah, I want to hear about it. Do you want me to talk about the first pregnancy first and second pregnancy second? Yeah, let's go with Zuri first. Okay. And then Gnome second. I'm going to tell you, I had a really great pregnancy. Yay! Um, I, wa- <laughs> I was not really sick. And I say not really. I think I threw up once because I gagged on my toothbrush when I was brushing my tongue. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, 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 the biggest thing for me was I was so tired. Yeah. So prior to pregnancy, like I already have like low iron, typical women stuff, low iron, mm-hmm. low vitamin D. I'm also hypoglycemic, which just means I have really low blood sugar. But don't worry, guys, I'm not pre-diabetic. Yeah. Um, so it just means I need to eat a lot and frequently I can't go long hours without eating. Mm-hmm. So for me, the biggest thing was just being tired and needing energy. Um. But I loved being pregnant. I loved my belly. I was so connected with Zuri, talking to her, reading, praying, meditating, listening to music. I mean, it was literally a dream pregnancy. Like, it was great. Um, That's so great to hear. Because I was going to ask around, how did you bond with your baby? I feel like it's so hard. Like, you see it happening, but it's also mm -hmm. not here at the same time. Like, can you tell us more about the things you did to bond with Zuri? 
Yeah, I talked to her a lot. So I would take these walks around my neighborhood and just talk out loud. Like I'm having a conversation with you right now. Like that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, I shared everything with her, shared like my fears, shared what I'm hopeful for. I prayed a lot over her, prayed a lot over her life, what I envisioned for her future. Um, it's just a lot of talking. And I would sing that Lauren Hill song all the time, the Letter to Zion song. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Wait, so you would corny. sing it or you would like let her have some headphones and actually hear it from Lauren Hill because I know uh-huh. your voice. I know your voice. Bo- wow, wow, wow. <laughs> both, both. Lauren would be playing in the background. I'm singing along <laughs> with Lauren. Um, so she heard both voices. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh but anyways yeah it was it was great so I'd sing those types of songs just letting her know how much I love her uh, a lot of working out not working out and eh, more like taking the stairs and walking was my working mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. um I did these stairs I had a lunch group at work where we would climb like 10 flights of stairs 10 times oh wow um for I don't know how many times a week we would do it but we did it pretty often so that was my workout and so that was a way for me to bond with her, too. So I'm like, all right, we're working out. I would just narrate everything I was doing so that she yeah. knew what was happening outside in the outside world. Um, I like that, like yeah. narrating your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably why she talked so much and got a little, <laughs> little sass. I know. Mm. It's interesting to see how that changed. Mm-hmm. Like. Mm-hmm. So then I know you had a great pregnancy. What was the biggest challenge? You talked a little bit about it being tired. Like, could you explain mm-hmm. that? Because I feel like people tell women, like, you're going to be tired or you're going to be fatigued. But I don't think, like, the actual intensity of how tired yeah. you really registers. So could you, like, share how tired you were and, like, when? Sure. I don't even know if there are any words that I could say to prepare <laughs> anyone for the level of tiredness that you feel. Oh my God. Me, because it's not just, like, being on your period tired it's not like mm-hmm. oh I stayed up all night tired it's not it's none of those or I was out all night I gotta get up early it's it's a level of tiredness that does not compare I remember going out to my car at work in the middle of the day and going and taking a nap I would just go to sleep in the car I was <laughs> like I cannot make it through this day I remember calling you Jasmine and telling you that and you're like what you're taking naps in the car. They need to have somewhere for you, for you to be able to go lay down. You need to go talk to your boss about <laughs> yes. this. And I'm like, uh, I don't think they have anywhere for me to go sleep in the middle of the work day. But you yeah, were so upset that. with me for that. And I don't know what you wanted me to do. I really don't I was, know either. I think I just knew how tired you would be. And I remember when I was pregnant, I would like lay down in the studio because I was in grad school, for those that don't know, while I was pregnant. So I didn't really have to go like into work or into school. Like I could, you know, just miss a class if I felt like it. Mm-hmm. But we had like these large sofas in our studios because they knew people stayed overnight. And I would like mm-hmm. lay out, sprawled out on that studio sofa at literally like 1 p.m. and just be asleep <laughs> for who knows how long. And then I wake up later, people are like, you okay? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I hadn't told anybody I was pregnant because my first trimester, I wasn't really showing like that. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was exhausted, like going to sleep at 6 p.m., waking up the next morning type. And I just, it that's hits you like a train. It, was. it hits you it like does. a train. That's how it was for me. I would come, so I would take that nap in the middle of the day at work. Then I would come home around 4, 4.30. And then I would go to sleep until the next day. I mean, Phil would come <laughs> upstairs. I'm like, babe, you need to eat and like wake me up. I would try to eat some dinner and go right back to sleep. On the way home, 
so mind you, so there are two things I want y'all to know what was happening at the time. At the time, I just started my PhD program. So I was going to classes and I was working full time. Oh, and at the time we had some family issues going on. So I was um, fostering some of my nieces and nephews at the time. And in the beginning, I didn't even know I was pregnant. So I'm just like super tired. I thought, you know, having six additional kids in my home was probably why I'm tired. So I didn't even know I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would call another friend on the way home, Mel. I would call Mel yes. on the way home <laughs> so that I could keep my eyes open. She would just talk to me all the way home from class to um, to my house because wow. my eyes were, I was driving on autopilot. My eyes were closing. I know oh, that sounds God. really scary, but it's true. Like, I, that's how tired I was. I was like, I need someone to talk to me, keep me up, make sure that I'm not going to crash out of my lane. Like, that's yeah. how tired I was. I can't even why, explain. Yeah, that's why I was so adamant about you need something at work, even though looking back on it now, that was definitely a crazy request. No one's going to give you a bed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was like, I just like, I was like, I know how tired she is. And for her to have to go to work and go to school and do this, like, I need my sis to be able to sleep and to sleep adequately and to like sleep frequently. And it's like, forget all this other stuff. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Go to sleep. But yeah, so Mel keeping you up during your drive. That that like goes back to one of my other questions. I was going to ask, you know, how are you supported through your pregnancy? And it sounds like in multiple ways right now, like Mel talking to you to keep you awake on your drive. You talked a little bit about Phil. Can you talk more about how he supported you? Yeah. I mean, Phil was really crucial because, well, one, he got everything I needed done, done. <laughs> getting the nursery, doing all of those things, you know, getting the house together. But for me personally, making sure that I was eating and hydrating was big. Um, and then making sure I was able to rest, uninterrupted rest, mm-hmm. um, was really helpful. He was also a, a source of affirmations for me. So I was listening to those Hypno Babies affirmations, but he was also like, babe, like, you can do this, like your body's made for this, um, you know, or like you look beautiful or things like that. And that was really helpful too. And when I had schoolwork to do, like he would try his best. I mean, he would still fall asleep, but he would try to stay up with me <laughs> so I would have company. Um, or even just taking care of the kids that were with us at the time mm-hmm. so that I wouldn't have to, so I could focus on what I was doing because I just didn't have the energy to be you know, with six kids and working and doing school stuff. Yeah. I, I could not do it. Like, even if I wanted to will myself to do it, I I physically could not do it. So yeah. he was really helpful. And then having my girls, um, like having you to talk to about like what I'm, you know, what, what I was going through um, and the rest of our friend group, you know, Jade and Jazz, and just being able to share with y'all, share my little bump pics, all of those things. Yes, they, look, they look like small things but they're not small things because you need to have outlets to share um these types of journeys with and so those are really big things to just be excited with people um you know my workplace friends were also very supportive they would also make sure I eat a lot yes um (laughs) and work with me and walk with me and um yeah, I mean, everybody was, not everybody, most yes, people everybody. <laughs> were really great. Because let me tell you, I had some people say some crazy things to me. So, yes, let's get to that. Because I was just going to say, you had such a great pregnancy. And I think for women who had pregnancies that weren't as great, kind of encountering them caused some tension in a way, right? 
It does on, on both parts because for me sometimes I'm out here feeling guilty that I'm having a good pregnancy. Why should mm-hmm. I feel guilty? Yeah. Like, or you try to like downplay it like, oh, you know, uh, you know, no, I'm just tired. No, I shouldn't have to downplay my pregnancy because people have had, you know, harder pregnancies. Yeah. Um, so that was hard for me um, to do that. I didn't do that the second time around. But also, people saying crazy things to me. So y'all can't see me, but I'm uh, I'm a little. I can tell you worked up. Worked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little. I'm a little on the smaller side. So kind of like Jasmine, I did not show for like the first six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people would ask me when I finally announced I was pregnant. Uh, now I started getting the crazy stuff. Like, are you? Somebody said, are you eating enough? Like, are you? Are you okay? Are you hungry? Are you eating enough food? I was, I was so upset. I'm like, mm-hmm. do you think I'm out here starving my baby on purpose so I could be small throughout my pregnancy? Do you think that's my goal? Like yeah. to just be small and starve? No. <laughs> um. So that I had, I had people say stuff like that to me a few times, or they're like, "Hey, how are you feeling?" I'm like, you know, I'm feeling really good. They're like, oh, just wait. You're going to start throwing up. Oh, not the just wait. Uh, mm-hmm. I got the just wait was the most frequent type of comment I would get. Oh, how are you feeling? Oh, do you, you have any heartburn? I was like, no, I don't. Oh, just wait. Oh, you have any acid reflux? I was like, no, not right now. I'm doing really good. They're like, oh, just wait. Just wait for it. I just I- feel like I wish they would have transformed that just wait into that's great. Like, oh, I love that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, these are things that are common or very common for women. So bringing it up to you, like, oh, OK, that's valid. Like, you can have it in the back of your mind. Like, if I experience this, it's a normal pregnancy, you know, side effect or whatever. But if you're not experiencing it, like, that's great. I'm happy for you. Right. And that's what I I wish more people had that mindset, because let me be clear. There are people that do have. um a lot of symptoms associated with pregnancy, the acid reflux, the heartburn, the throwing up, the mm-hmm. body aches, the, you know, all of those things are real. Yeah. That just wasn't my experience. Um, and I should be okay to just live in my experience and be happy with that. Yeah. Also, I'm still mindful that other people have had not a great experience. Both, I always tell people both things can be true. Yeah. And so we just need to make space for everybody's story. You know what I'm saying? Not just one type of story, which was the issue I always had growing up. There was always yeah, just yeah. one type of story. It's a single story of just, it's horrible. Being pregnant is miserable. You throw up, yeah. you're aching, you have reflux, it's burn, heartburn, you can't move, you're on bed rest, you're this, then you go into childbirth, it's more pain, it's more pain. You get out of childbirth, it's sleepless nights. It was just a <laughs> single story every time. There was no, like, for me at least, there was no like, this is actually a really great yeah. time. It's a wonderful bonding experience. I didn't see that. Other people may have, but I did not. And that's like, it just shows, I guess, the power of those stories or the power of people's words and like the stories you hear constantly. Because just talking about choosing motherhood before, it was like, you, it wasn't like a big desire for you. And it was because mm-hmm. of the stories you had continuously heard. And that made mm-hmm. like a larger impact. Like, we're, I'm so glad that you decided to become a mother because I love Zuri and I love Brew. Uh, Noni, um, <laughs> but it's like you know, positive stories need to be out there as well, so we can have that just duality. And it's like I'm glad yeah. that my video was good for you, and I feel like now your pregnancy, your positive pregnancy story, will be that story for other women who feel like who maybe they've heard like, oh, all you do is ache or you're on bed rest for months, and like they might hear this, and it's like, oh, I can be pregnant and live my life and be happy and 
to enjoy my belly like I can be happy wow (laughs) exactly exactly just having both and having a balanced view of what it is instead of a one-sided whether too positive or too negative you know but just knowing that all of these different possibilities exist and just be ready for your story yeah is what I would say and I feel like we talked about a lot of the ways you were supported, but I remember you telling me how your chiropractor was a really big portion of your pregnancy and how that was really oh, great for you. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I feel like that was something yeah. that I never oh heard my before. Gosh, my chiropractor is amazing. Reach chiropractic, plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> plug. I need to like put a DJ tag. Like, <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. Add that in. They were... They were really great. So um, in duh, 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 right before I got pregnant, yes, I'm pretty sure. Right before I was pregnant, I was in a car accident. So I started um, going to the chiropractor. This type of chiropractor is different from the chiropractor that Jasmine and I experienced in college mm-hmm. as a college former athletes. Um you know, they use this method called torque release therapy, and they use a specific type of adjustment strategy called Webster's, specifically for pregnant women. And so the torque release is an instrument they use that they push onto your body that exudes like a specific force in different areas to align your body. So it's not the, not, you know, pop and crackle that Mm -hmm. we think of when we think of the chiropractor that might be uncomfortable for some people. It was, a godsend because it essentially like realigns your body as your belly is growing them constantly adjusting me was helpful for me to be able to carry in a way that did not put you know additional pressure on my hips or you know because you have this weight in front of you you might be tipping over your center of gravity is different all that stuff being coming adjusted just helped your body to remain as neutral as possible so you could carry with as less stress as possible it was amazing I love I think a lot of that's probably why I didn't have a lot of the body aches um I'm just gonna say that's why yep no signs of evidence you used to send like before (laughs) pictures and after pictures and I could like physically see your belly sitting up further Mm -hmm. after you had the chiropractor and I was like wow I really needed that when I was pregnant I highly, 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 strongly, strongly, strongly suggest that, you know, if you're pregnant to get adjusted in a way that's comfortable for you as someone who is specifically trained to adjust pregnant women um, with, you know, as little force as possible, because Mm -hmm. it makes a difference in the way that you experience your pregnancy. If you don't have to be worrying about aches and pains and all this additional, you know, stressors that you already have on being placed on your body with, you know, trying to accommodate however many pounds of baby that you have because your body's not used to carrying that weight. It is stressful on your joints by, you know, nature. So yeah, highly suggest chiropractic was so amazing. Still do it to this day. Yes. So that was Zuri's pregnancy. Was there Mm -hmm. anything different or just significantly? Yeah. Different about the one that you had with knowns? Uh, A little different um, in that still very similar pregnancy in that, you know, it was very positive, same, like not sick, you know, and the physical aspects of it were very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, chiropractic, all of those things. I think the parts that were different, I don't think I connected with Noni as much in utero as I did with Zuri. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in school, heavy, um, 
um, I was a practicum student as part of my PhD, essentially like an intern. Okay. Um, so I was interning, um, and I just I feel like I didn't have any time, and I had a now budding toddler. Yeah, required yes. a lot of <laughs> a lot of my time and attention. So I don't feel like you know I was telling you earlier I had those walks and I was talking with Zuri and singing and reading and meditating and all of those things. Like I felt like, especially in the beginning, I was not able to do that with Noni, and I started to feel guilty. Yeah, um, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, people were saying like, you know, second child, making the second child jokes, but those jokes weren't really that funny to me because I was already feeling type of you know some type of way that I was not giving her the same amount of energy and attention in yeah. utero that I gave Zuri. Um, so what were the I, second child jokes? I don't think I've heard of those yet. You know, just like, oh, you know, second child doesn't get the same much as uh, get the same attention or, you know, second child, you yeah. send those memes like the first child's nursery is all done and pretty. And then the second nursery <laughs> is like nothing in there but a cardboard box or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, just yeah. those types of jokes. Yeah. Um, they're completely harmless in nature. But when you already feeling, you know, guilty, it's like, yeah. oh, my God, no, I don't want her to be the second child syndrome. I want her to be her own person with the same love and attention. Um, yeah. But the reality is it's a different type of love. And I was worried that my, it's going to sound so bad, but I was worried that I wouldn't love Noni as much as Zuri. Cause I'm like, I love Aww. Zuri so much. She's such a great child. Like, how am I going to love anyone else as much as I love her? And I yeah. I told this to a few moms and they were like, we actually thought the same thing. Don't worry. It will happen. And they were right. Your heart just grows. I don't know how it does it, mm-hmm. but I was nervous about that. Um, but anyways, on a tangent, um, so I decided to get a doula for my second pregnancy. Hey, doula. Um, yeah, shout out to my doula, Clara. Go follow her. <laughs> Clara Lightburn. Yes, okay, Clara. I will make sure to put all these things that you're mentioning, like, in the episode notes whenever I figure out how to make episode notes. Um, <laughs> so people can have these things. But Clara was your doula, and I will definitely yes. get her handle from you. Yes. Um, she was really amazing. Clara and I actually knew each other beforehand. Um, we worked together at my former job. Um, you know, actually hired Clara. And then once I left my job, Clara became the lead of our department. Um, mm-hmm. So I knew that she, you know, was working on, you know, expanding her doula business and all those things. And she was the perfect fit and we talked to her quite a few times before we decided to pull the plug. You know, I learned about doulas from you, Jasmine. Because I'm like, what's a doula? Like, what do they do? Like, how's that different, you know, from a midwife or all of those different types of questions you may yes, have. Yes, Um, And so, you know, she was here in Georgia with us. Or, you know, Jasmine, if you were here, you know, I, I, really I know if I was you need there, a... I wanted to be a doula so bad. I was like, Can I just moved to Atlanta for like a you, year. <laughs> you need to move. You need to move. move just for this uh, one job with Janelle. <laughs> uh, but um, Clara was here and she, you know, came actually. So let me tell you about her real quick. She um, is trained through all these different um, organizations that I can't really remember. But she was able to secure, you know, our family somewhat of like a scholarship to pay for her services. Oh, perfect. Uh, Yeah. And that's how we were able to afford because we're in a season in our life right now, our family, where like financially things are challenging. 
Mm-hmm. And for her to secure that scholarship for us or point us an opportunity to secure the scholarship for us was just a game changer. So because yeah. of that, we were able to meet with her a few times. Um, she taught us a lot about moving and breathing and, you know, preparing for the fourth trimester, postpartum and, mm-hmm. you know, making a plan and all these great things. And during our during my delivery um Actually, she hates the word delivery. <laughs> She's like, children are not sterile. delivered. Yeah, <laughs> children are not delivered. Um, <laughs> but during childbirth, you know, she was the one who empowered me. Um, I labored at home till when I got to the hospital. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on, I, hold on. Because the birth story is going to be a separate part. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 okay. All right, okay. Well, she was great. Let me just say that. Yeah, she yeah, great, yeah. She great. empowered me a lot. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. last <laughs> Because that's going to be our last part is the birth stories. You have two of them. So my last question around your pregnancy was, so you were talking before we got on this tangent, you were talking about mm-hmm. how you felt like you didn't connect with Noni as much in utero as you did with mm-hmm. Zuri. Mm-hmm. And you had a budding toddler to take care of. Can you talk about maybe your relationship with Zuri while you were pregnant with Noni a little bit? Yeah. Um, fortunately, that was, that stayed intact. Um, you know, she I don't know she handled it really well it wasn't like I didn't see a change and like need for attention or anything like that while I was pregnant that did come after though (laughs) Um, (laughs) but no yeah our relationship was great I think Phil and I also tried to be super intentional about creating memories with her with just her um, talking to her about the baby that's coming so that you know letting her feel the baby and Mm-hmm. all of that so we're just super intentional about creating um memories and experiences with just her especially leading up um to the pregnancy and I would say with my doula she also helped me to reconnect with Noni so I finished um my semester at school in April and around that time I started I was able to like go on those walks again and talk and do a lot of the things I did throughout my pregnancy with Zuri I did yeah. them at the end with Noni Oh, and like nice. carving out time and doing the affirmations. And I just had uninterrupted time from April to when Noni was born in June of just like connecting yeah. and bonding. Again, it wasn't like throughout like with Zuri, but I was just happy that I was able to still get that time before she came. So like, I even apologized to her. I was like, mm-hmm. I know that I wasn't able to do all this throughout and I felt really guilty. I was very transparent with her, mm-hmm. but I love you. Um, you are not second in any way in that, you know, like yeah. second in priority or anything like and I like apologize to her as I'm like walking and doing all of that. So it was really nice to kind of tie out tie up and uh whatever the pregnancy <laughs> with connecting yeah. and doing all that. And I worked out a lot differently the second time. Oh yeah. How'd you work out differently with Noni? Um, I did a lot of resistance training, so not just walking. I walked a few times a week, but also like we get my squats in and my push ups and dumbbells, resistance bands. Like I followed ooh, Glow Body PT on YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, and her things are free. She has a whole like calendar of, you know, whatever week pregnant you are, like what exercises you can do. I adapted those along with the Beach Body and um. Beachbody on demand. Those are people who did like P90X and all of those things. Uh-huh. And I did a mashup of their workouts and it made a huge difference, y'all. You have to work out. Like, yeah. even beyond just walking. I mean, 
if walking is where you are, that is completely fine. But if you are also able to push beyond that, I highly encourage it. Yeah. It made a difference in my pregnancy too. That's awesome. What What do you feel like the difference was? Because like you said, both were great. So like, how did the second one be I even felt better? stronger. I felt uh-huh. mentally stronger because it's part of it, you know, as an athlete, part of it is about the physical strength, but part of it is also like where your mind is because yeah. no one tells you how mental, um, like carrying a child and birthing a child is. Mm-hmm. It's the space that your head is in that really makes the world of a difference. So for me, just completing a workout was really big because I felt like at the time I had so much on my plate. Yeah. I wasn't getting anything done. So just to have a check mark by I worked out was really empowering for me. Like, all right. Yeah. I said I was going to do something. I committed to it and I completed it. I needed that. I, I needed that. that win for myself. Yeah. I love that. Well, that's like so great to hear. I feel like that's a great way to end this pregnancy section and move on to the last section of birth stories, which you have too. I'm so excited about. And they're completely different. Completely they different. Are. And I'll just go ahead and preface this by like, <laughs> with her first child, I was obviously trying to push her to have a natural birth. <laughs> you <laughs> were. I, I was doing the absolute most. And, you know, I've learned how to do a lot less since then, which is really good. But... <laughs> I just wanted the best for my best friend. So if you could tell me about your birth story with Zuri and just start from like, yeah, basically like the first contraction or like just the beginning of when you knew you were in labor or even thought, like, I think I'm in labor, but I'm not. (laughs) Maybe I am. I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now, my story doesn't even follow those conventions because, all right, y'all. So I'm on my 39 week checkup. I've had zero contractions. All right, boom. Nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, boom. So <laughs> that's, how, that's how I feel like you were starting out. All right, boom. So I pull up. That exactly <laughs> it is. Because look, I had no contractions. I'm 39 weeks pregnant. No contractions. I'm at, I go for my checkup. They're checking me. Also, quick note, you don't have to get checked every week after 37 weeks. I found that out in my second pregnancy. Okay. Um. So they're checking me to see how dilated I am and asking me if I've had contractions. I'm like two centimeters dilated, but no contractions. Mm-hmm. So my doctor, she's like, yeah, I think I'm going to break your water. As she's saying that, y'all, yeah. first of all, I'm having the most painful checkup. Like, or not painful, but very uncomfortable. Like she is using her fingers. She is going up in there. I thought she was trying to get up into my trachea. Like Yikes. she was oh going God. up in there. I'm, I'm lifting my butt up off the table. I'm twisting and turning. I'm like, this is not supposed to feel like this. As yeah. she says, she thinks she wants to like break my water. My water does break. She's like, oh, I don't even have to do it. Well, ma'am, uh, at the the level of vigor that you were going, even if you didn't do it, you were doing it because you were, she, she was doing the most. Oh, God. Anyways, so my water breaks while I'm at Kaiser, flooded the whole floor. I mean, the whole floor is soaking wet. I was like, all right, guess I'm in labor. They're like, yeah, you need to get to the hospital. Mind you, my plan was to go get my nails done. So I was like, can I go get my nails done first and then go to the hospital? They're like, no, ma'am, uh, you need to go to the hospital now. You have, like, I was on some clock. I don't remember yeah. what, it was 12 hours or 24 hours or some amount of hours since my water broke. I had to go to the hospital so I wouldn't get an infection or infect the baby. And I was like, oh, yes. my gosh. Luckily, I just got my hair done right before the appointment. So, you know. At least you're anyway, looking good. At least you're looking good. I was looking good. My bag was already packed. 
so okay, preparation. Yes, you know, the first baby, you super prepared. Bag was packed up <laughs> by the door. Went home, got my bag. We went to the hospital. They checked us in. Everything's all smooth. I'm in. I got there in the evening sometime. I don't know, six mm-hmm. seven o'clock. I'm there. You know, they're checking me, seeing how I'm doing, all that stuff. Nothing is happening. Let me just say, so no contractions, no nothing. No further dilation. My cervix wasn't effacing. Nothing was happening. Okay. So this is when the intervention start. And what we learned in our little class was, y'all, once you start on the intervention track, that increases your likelihood of getting a C-section. Yeah. So I was yeah. a little nervous because I'm like, oh, God. Um, so this at this point, I'm in the hospital. I'm like 39 and 39 weeks and four days. So they start, I'm like, I remember something from your pregnancy, Jasmine, because you were like, you don't have to have epidural. Like you can start with other things. Like it's not Tylenol, but some other type of like pain reducing um, uh-huh. measures that will take the edge off instead of going to epidural. So I started with that. I don't remember what it is right now. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, so I started with that, see if they could get my body to relax and even though I wasn't in any pain or anything but just to see if it would help my body to go further mm-hmm. that didn't work they gave me something to help my cervix to face that was kind of working but working slowly mm-hmm. um so they're like all right well we need to get the pitocin I'm like all right not, you're not knowing pitocin. any better I'm like all right yeah they put the pitocin nothing so remember I'm there from like six seven o'clock it's midnight. Nothing is happening. No, con- not one contraction. Okay. Not nothing. But then a little after midnight, I started to feel like I was on my period. Like I started to feel a little crampy. You know, yeah. when you're like, oh, my period's about to start. Yeah. So I was like, okay, all right. Then it went from that to full blown, like the worst pain you've ever felt. Like the contractions were so strong. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I remember my little hypno babies, like the waves. Was, yeah, they, they call them waves. Yep. They were like, all right. I'm like, okay, I can do this. I'm breathing through the wave. I did a really, I thought I did a great job. I was breathing through them. You know, my mom was asleep. Phil was holding my hand, but he was kind <laughs> of asleep. But I was just breathing through. I was like, all right, we got this. I'm like, yes. they're bad, but they're not like that bad. But then they got worse. Because they were back to back. There were no breaks. They were long. Oh. I mean, contracting for like a minute, minute and a half with no oh. break in between. So it was just back to back. Really intense contractions back to back. Back to back. So I'm like, okay, I must be getting ready to like have, have the, baby the baby. Because yeah. they said, you know, when you get to 10 centimeters, like it, that's when the contractions get really bad. So I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, I must be there. Girl. They come back in and check me. They said they are, I'm at three centimeters and like Ooh. 80% of face. Oh, oh my <coughs> God. <laughs> I just got say what? so much by hearing that from you right now. <laughs> I said, what? I said, so I'm going through all of this. I'm breathing through. I'm saying my affirmations in my head. I'm feeling <laughs> all of these, you know, back-to-back contractions and all this for one more centimeter than when I got here at seven o'clock. Negative ghost rider. So I was like, I need an epidural. <laughs> I need that epidural. Please get that. But they didn't tell you. I thought when I said get me the epidural, that was going, they're going to get it, come back, stick me, and I'm good. Yeah, like it quick. It took them like hours to oh, come back what? to me. Yeah, so I'm still going through these contractions, um, waiting for this epidural. I said, can y'all please stop the Pitocin? They're like, we took that off immediately. 
I was like, and my body's still doing this? They're like, yeah. Oh, so my, my even God. though they had stopped pumping the Pitocin, I, my body was still in overdrive, like back to back. Anyway, so about five o'clock, no, about six o'clock, they came. I got an epidural. Oh, God, I felt so good. I went to sleep. Thank I, God. I went to sleep. How and then I woke up. Girl, like how, like when they put it in you, did you feel it? Like what was Mm-mm. that process? Like? I felt, I felt nothing. I didn't see the needle or look at it. I turned away from the uh, anesthesiologist who was going to administer it. Uh-huh. I just draped my arm over Phil's neck. Yeah, uh, I was dangling off the side of the bed, draped my arms over, and they just stuck me. I didn't feel it, see it, nothing, and I just went and laid down. The thing with that is, you can't move. Or at least I couldn't move because I couldn't feel my legs. And from what I knew, you know, with all the classes and all the stuff, they're like, you know, you should move around in pregnancy, you know. Mm -hmm. So now I'm thinking about all the things I've learned. And I'm like, this don't look like it's going to go the way I want it to go because I've had all these interventions. Now I have the epidural. I can't walk around. I can't move. I'm like, oh, well, I just need to go to sleep (laughs) (laughs) because it's too much. So I went to sleep. At around six something, I woke up at nine. They checked me. They're like, "All right, it's time to push." I was like, "Oh, oh hello, hello." <laughs> that felt really good because when people told me that when you get the epidural, it slows your labor down. Mm-hmm. But for me, I got the epidural. I was able to rest, and I woke up dilated, ready to go, dilated any face. So yeah. I say all that to say that going back to the single story, just know that. It could go any way. Like, you know, that was just for me. That was my experience. So I was really happy about that. My midwife said it was probably because my body was able to relax and do what it needed to do. So those back-to-back contractions from the Pitocin. So, yeah, 9.15, they're like, it's time. I started pushing at 9.15, and Zuri was here at 9.45, so 30 minutes later. Wow. Um, So during the pushing, could you feel anything? Like, did the epidural wean wean off? mm -hmm. Uh, no, honestly, that was hard because you can't gauge how much to push because you can uh-huh. kind of, I know that I'm pushing, but I can't feel my body really push. Yeah. So I'm just using all the force I think I am to get, you know, Zuri out. Um, so that was, and I was like, oh, you're doing a great job. I see my leg going one way. They hold my leg this way. I did. I was on my back in okay. a hospital bed. Um, with my in your like traditional labor position mm-hmm. um, I'm just pushing pushing but then thankfully my midwife came they turned me to the side I actually delivered Zuri on my side interesting um, okay yeah I was on my side I lift one leg up and I just pushed her out that way so um, that was yeah she came out but she wasn't crying she was purple oh. Oh, uh, I didn't know. So I didn't know what was going on. The cord was wrapped around her neck. I didn't even know. I was like, yeah, I pushed her out. I didn't see her yet. I guess they were unwrapping the cord. I didn't know all that. They gave her to me, I guess, hoping that if I put her on my chest, she would start crying. Uh-huh. She did not. So they're like, all right, dad, cut the cord. We got to take her. I still did not know what was going on. Mm-hmm. They took her to the back of the room and they were doing all this stuff. I still didn't know what was going on. I was like, yeah. The first question I asked was like, "Did I tear?" Yeah, <laughs> for real. You Not the thing. So what happened down there? I said, "Did I tear?" But I'm asking the wrong questions. My daughter's in the back of the room, can't breathe, but I didn't know. I was like, <laughs> "Did I tear?" Wrong, wrong question. <laughs> um, but then I started to know something was wrong because I saw all these people coming into the room. 
I was like, oh, oh God. they're all coming into the room to get to Zuri. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? And then I heard her do the faintest cry. She was like, yeah. I was <laughs> like, you got to be kidding me. So that was that story. And then the only thing I want to add, because I know you're running on time. The only thing I want to add with that is, like, after they got her to cry, um, I think I fed her for a, a little bit. Or she latched for a little bit. And, you know, I wanted the whole golden hour with her on my chest and all bonding from it. I was not able to do that because she came out not crying with the cord around her neck and being purple. So Mm -hmm. they took her. So when they took her from, like, 10, I didn't see her again until, like, 1 o'clock. And I cried. I bawled. Yeah, I bawled. Oh, my goodness. I missed her first bath. Phil went and recorded it. Um, Phil and my mom went to see her and recorded it because they had to they would bathe her in like a nursery or somewhere else, not in the room like they would normally do. And I bawled. I was like, my baby is out here in the world. And, you know, she's probably looking for me or wondering yeah. what I'm doing or why. I cried. I felt like oh, the worst God. mother in the world. I really did. And it was just, it was an emotional day because when she was born, I bawled. I bawled, I bawled, I bawled her name. I was so excited. And then that joyous bawling went into like really sad bawling when yeah. they took her. And then when they brought her to me after that, we just we've been stuck together ever since. So, oh my god, it was an emotional day. I feel like I just learned so much because I never knew, or maybe well, it was years ago, so maybe I also forgot. I didn't realize she was gone from me for hours, and I can't yeah. imagine birthing your baby and then like then not immediately being on you, like just immediately. It was, it was so sad. It was so hard. Like I said, I'd have felt just so guilty. I'm like, imagine you're with this person this whole time, and then you come out into this foreign world as a baby, and you're not with the person that yes. you bothered with. Like, I'm like, is she alone? Is she scared? Is she nervous? Is she anxious? Like, I think so many things. So many thoughts were going through my head. It was, I was so sad. So many. So sad. Wow, what a story. Also, I'm not in a rush. I don't have to get a meeting until 1 p.m., so now I'm good. Um, yeah. So now I feel like I want to hear about Noni's birth because it was completely different. It was. And I want to hear was. about that because obviously I was like, ooh, this time I didn't push my agenda, but my agenda was accomplished. <laughs> it accomplished. was. <laughs> Noni's birth story was completely different, even though the pregnancies were similar. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I told you we worked with a doula this time and, you know, she taught me some new moves on how to labor and laboring at home and all these things. So Noni was supposed to be born June 20 something, 28th, 27th or 28th, one of those days. Um, spoiler alert, she came on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> spoiler alert, she came on Father's Day, June 19th or Juneteenth. Um she came on June 19th. So I'm giving mm-hmm. you all the spoiler up front. So I'm at home. I'm sitting down on the couch. I, I think I text y'all and I text another friend of mine, Katia. And I'm like, uh, one of the, oh, remember, backtrack. So one of the days I went to pee and there's a little pink in my pee. Mm-hmm. And so I reach out to my dude. I'm like, oh, I just wiped. There was a little pink. She's like, you probably lost your mucus plug. I'm like, oh, but. <laughs> isn't it supposed to be like a whole they call it the bloody show so I thought I'm like I don't think so because wouldn't it be like redder and bloodier and just more you know mm-hmm. so I was like nah I don't think I lost it but she's like you probably did anyway so paid no attention to that then I went and got a massage relaxed 
I don't know if that helped. I got a massage that Friday. Friday night, I'm sitting on the couch. Um, and I'm just talking, texting y'all, texting my friend Katya. She's like, how you feeling? I'm like, yeah, you know, my stomach's a little weird, like a little rumbly, but uh, besides that, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. Um, I think y'all were like, wondering why I went, went ghost and I was like no I'm here I'm fine like nothing's happening I'm just sitting on the couch watching TV went to sleep <laughs> uh around midnight um started like cramping like you're on your period yeah because yeah. my doula had told me when I told her um Friday about the whole like pink um and the, oh my underwear was getting wet too like I was leaking okay and she was like you're probably leaking amniotic fluid I was like oh, I guess uh, you know I don't know all this is new to me because I'm I'm not sure what I'm looking for. Yes. Um, yeah. She's like, you're probably gonna have the baby this week, and I'm like, no, I'm like almost two weeks too early. Like, no, like that's. I was also in school. I'm like, no, I have to go to class on Wednesday. I can't have the baby this weekend. It's not possible. I need her to wait. Um. So, I go to sleep. It's midnight. I'm starting to cramp. I'm like, okay, but I'm fine. You know, a little uncomfortable, but I'm fine. Then around 3 a.m. I was like, um, I woke Philip. I was like, Phil, I think I might be in labor because I'm having some cramps and now I'm not able to sleep through them anymore. Like mm-hmm. from 12 to 3, I was able to get a little sleep here and there. Was, you know, 3 o'clock, I was like, I think we need to text Clara. And I think we need to text my friend Ashley, who was going to be watching Zuri for us um, for a sleepover. Mm-hmm. Just in case. He's like, all right. So I'm still laboring. I'm bouncing on my BOSU ball, you know. I'm walking around the room. I'm breathing. I'm good. Um, it was a little much, but it was fine doing that. Then we started getting the bags together. Unlike the first time, <laughs> my uh, hospital bag was not ready until the day before. So <laughs> we were like, okay, let's continue to add this stuff in. Um, and I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to take a shower. I'm doing all this stuff. But then the contractions, oh, we call them birthing waves this time around. Mm-hmm. The birthing waves started coming. They're a little stronger. I was like, oh, oh, started timing them. She, my doula gave us an app to track. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like doing all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. I think around seven o'clock, I was like, I think we need to go to the hospital because these birthing waves have come to a point where. I think we need to probably at least get it checked out because mm-hmm. for me, again, I didn't have a pregnancy to refer to. I'm like, I don't know if these are Braxton Hicks or what those feel like. I don't know what is what. Yeah. So we said, all right, let's go. We need to go drop Zuri off um, at her friend's house at my friend Ashley and then go to the hospital. But once we got in that car and started driving, I was like, uh-uh, Phil, there is no way we're going to drive to Powder Springs 30 minutes and then drive to Northside another 30 minutes. I'm not going to make it that far. <laughs> I was like, can we call Ashley and tell her to meet us at the hospital? And he was like, okay. So we went, got to the hospital. I had to go in um, by myself as he waited for Ashley. My doula was already there. Um, and I am just like breathing through. I'm like, okay, this I can feel them. Like, I feel it, y'all. <laughs> like, I feel it's it. real I feel it. I feel it. I'm in, I forgot to, I'm in the car driving there with Kaiser. I try to call and check in. 
um, to the hospital as we're on the way there. The lady's talking to me. She's like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm okay. I'm able to talk through them and I'm able to breathe through them. So it's not like the most unbearable thing in the world, but I'm like, it's not comfortable either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, we got there. My doula was there, you know, Phil was waiting for Ash. Um, so eventually checked in all that. They're like, do you want a wheelchair? I'm like, no, I'll walk, you know, so I walked. I'm still breathing and talking through. I'm like, it's mm-hmm. getting there, y'all. It's getting there. I get into my room, check in, change into my new, my little gown, all that stuff. Yeah. I start to labor on the toilet for a little bit. Um, my doula brought me this birthing aid that she makes. Um, it has like a whole bunch of stuff in there that I'm blanking on right now. Um, mm-hmm. That I was drinking to get, keep me hydrated, but also help with... Um, my birthing waves oh yeah that's one thing I forgot one thing I also did differently this time was um I started eating some dates around the 37 week mark and I had some raspberry tea raspberry leaf tea every day like so I did both of those things which I think my body was able to go into labor naturally yeah those natural induction methods Mm-hmm. So that Which was if I my didn't cousin's know that wife Jen is ever listening to this, I bought her dates and she did not eat them. <laughs> not calling yeah, out Jen on the effect. podcast. <laughs> I'm calling out Jen on the podcast. <laughs> Maybe she won't listen. It's the first podcast. I'm sure it'll be like 10 people. It might be just five people that listen. You know, the we're gonna, we gonna get it there. We're gonna get it there. But we're like we're gonna hide it from Jen at the end of the no, day. No, I'm okay. I'm gonna reach out to Jen on IG just so she can listen to it. <laughs> So you had raspberry leaf tea, you ate dates, mm-hmm, and you're mm-hmm. at the hospital now. It's a hospital, right? Or are you Yeah, it's a hospital. I did go to the, the hospital, hospital again. Um, and, and what time is it? Because you told us you started this at midnight, and now what time I'm, is it? I'm finally get to the hospital. It, I got into my room at like 8.15. Okay, 8.15. So you had eight hours of like basically managing your birthing waves with mm-hmm. on your own with Philip. Yep. So, you know, with your doula being like yep. virtual. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly a great summary. Um, and I got to the hospital, so now I'm laboring on the toilet, I'm laboring on the ball. But now I'm at the point where not like things are just not feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um and the like birthing wave started to kick up a notch. And this actually was the first time that I was gonna get checked throughout my entire pregnancy, which is why I said the first time, y'all. You don't have to get checked every week after 37 weeks. You can decline that. That You don't have to do that. Yes. Um, so they're like, all right, we need to check you. I lay down on my back. It was so uncomfortable. My, Noni did not like that. They checked <laughs> me. Um, and I didn't hear them. I didn't hear what they said I was, but I knew I was not ready. My doula said after we debriefed that they said I was six centimeters. But the first time that I heard them, when they said they checked me, they said I was eight centimeters. Okay. Um, so I was like, eight centimeters? That means I have two centimeters to go? I'm like, no, I can't do this, y'all. I was like, I need an epidural. <laughs> I'm not going to make it. I can't do this. And then my doula, which is why I just love her, she was like, you know, you already did all the hard work. She's like, it's, you're almost there. Like, you're going to meet your baby really soon. I'm like, no, I can't do it. I don't know. I've been doing this <laughs> since midnight. I cannot go anymore. She's like, um, she's like, well, let's just wait till I'm talking to her like this through a birthing wave. She's like, let's just wait till after this birthing wave and then we'll talk some more. And oh, I was like, my girl, my girl. No. 
I guess when I asked for the epidural, everyone made looks at each other, and I didn't really realize. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell me no. I didn't know it was too late. Um, but all my doulas said was, we'll, we'll talk about it, okay? Mm-hmm. And everyone else, all the nurses were just quiet. I think they all knew it was too late, huh? I guess so, but ain't nobody fill me in. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. I can't hear you anymore. Janelle, you still there? Hold on, guys. I think we might have had some technical difficulties. I'm going to hang up and call Janelle back. I'm hey. back. Oh, they're trying to, they're trying to <laughs> get me out. They're trying to get you out. They're trying to get to me out. They're trying to get me it out. It was bound to happen. When you start talking about the natural stuff, that's when they try to, someone's listening and they're like, nah. Exactly. Let's go ahead with the epidural agenda. <laughs> no one wants me to promote that agenda. Nobody. They. They don't want us to win. It's like a, as DJ Keller was saying. <laughs> but it's okay. God did. You know. God did. God. Yeah. God wants us to get this message out. We gonna do it. God. We back here. God. <laughs> oh gosh. What's the last thing you heard? So what I heard was. It was from, you're like, it's been since midnight. I can't do this anymore. All the nurses were making looks at each other when you asked for the epidural. Like, they all knew something that you didn't, and nobody was telling you what it was. So your doula said to get through this next birthing wave, and then you would talk about possibly having an epidural. Yes. Um, so then, I think at this time, because I got in there around 8.15, it's like 8.45, 8.50. I'm like, I feel like I want to poop. Like, <laughs> I'm sitting there waiting because they they put a I I had a you know the IV in, um, and they not the IV, not the IV. That they were monitoring me. I was doing the wireless monitoring. Okay, yeah, some intermittent um, monitoring. Yes, and um, I tested positive for strep B. Um, in my pregnancy, which means that if you test positive, you're supposed to, well, not supposed to, they recommend that you do, you take these antibiotics before you have the baby so that the infection does not pass to the baby. Okay. Um, I will say also not plug, plug in my doula, but just doulas in general, get you a doula who's an evidence-based birth. Because when I had told my doula this, you know, she sent me a whole bunch of research-based articles about the probability of strep B and how to question your doctors and how to figure out what's actually a threat versus, you know, what's a relative threat, all these different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really helpful, like, to make those decisions in the moment. So they tried to administer one round of the antibiotic, but it was too late because once they started doing that, I needed to poop. I was like, y'all, the baby, I'm on the edge of the <laughs> The baby's coming. Like, ah. And they're like, wait, 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 don't push. Um, they had to get they got somebody in to check me. Luckily, the doctor, or I think it was a doctor, was already coming in um to check on me. They checked me right there. They're like, Oh, she's ready to go. And I was like, Oh, I made it. I made it from the eight to the ten. Um yes. and I didn't really know my doula was just, you know, she was talking to me the whole time, just like Janelle. You can do this. I don't remember everything she said, y'all, but she gave me the most empowering speech. Like she looked me in my soul and was oh. 
I know that you want this epidural, but trust me when I tell you, like, you are like, you can do this. Like, she said some words, some about miracles and something about power and, um, you know, magic and all this stuff. Wow, she sounds inspiring. <laughs> I wish I could have recorded it, but let me, she spoke to my entire being. Um, and I was like, oh, wait, so they're like, can you hop up on the bed? I didn't realize they were ushering me to get on the bed to go and push because I was just like still in this, you know, still feeling the contractions. And I just, I was like, y'all, I can't. They're like, yeah, how about you just hop up on the bed? And I was like, okay. <laughs> hey, okay, I'll get up here. <laughs> I'm hopping up on the bed. I'm so blind. Hopping up on the bed. And then they're like, how do you want to, you know, position? I was like, what? Well, oh, we're doing it now. Now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Happening now. So I went on all fours. And at this point, it was like um, 9.15, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I think it was like 15 or so minutes from the time I told them, y'all, like, I can't do this anymore. Now I feel like I'm, I need to poop. Oh, the nurse, she was cracking up. Because when I was like, yo, I need to poop. I was like, oh, I need to poop. <laughs> like something like really deep moaning. And she was on her little radio like, uh, I think we have some, Um, I don't know what she called it, like abdominal. She's doing some abdominal grunting. So I think she's ready. <laughs> that's, abdominal grunting. I, that's not exactly the phrase she used, but it was something like that. And I was like, she's doing those low moans. I think she might be really close. Because that's all I said. Well, I need to go. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Um, oh, my God. We got to get someone to record your next birth because I'm going to need to hear these groans. So it, was, it was <laughs> hilarious. I was even, like, judging myself. I was like, hey, I, I need to. I have to poop right now. So it was only, like, it was a short turnaround from they were like, you weren't ready at eight centimeters to, like, 15 minutes later. I was at 10 and I think what worried me was because I told y'all I'm a planner. So what had worried me was I didn't know how long it was going to take. Does it take Mm -hmm. an hour to go from eight to 10? Does it take five minutes? Does it take two hours? Like what is this transition period like? Oh Um, my gosh. And isn't that like the hardest part about at least delivery? I want to use the word delivery. My birth, labor and birth. Cause it's like, you just don't know how long it will take. Like if someone could tell you, how long you would be in pain, it might make it easier for you to get through this because there's a countdown. But you get there and it's just like a black hole. You do not know Mm -hmm. how long you will be in this pain, but you do know the pain will get worse. But you have no ending point, like absolutely none. are speaking a whole bunch of facts because for me, you know, one of the things that I did with my workouts and trainings and what the um, Glow Body PT instructor would say, she's like, you can do anything for a minute. You can do anything yes. for a minute. I'm like, okay, I can breathe through this birthing wave for a minute. I can go through, you know, experience this, uh, this discomfort for one minute because I know after a minute it's going to end. And like yeah. you just said, with this transition, I didn't know when it was going to end. How long am I going to have to deal with this for? Because mm-hmm. I can't, in my mind, I can't go for much longer. So, yeah. but it was really short. I mean, by the time they told me you're eight centimeters, like I said, so I'm like, y'all, I need to poop. I'm doing those groans. It was <laughs> one five. Amazing. So they hopped me up on the bed. I went on all fours. So I didn't lay on my back like I did with Zuri. 
I delivered, delivered. I can't come up with another word. I yeah, birthed, I gave birth, I guess. Birthed, gave birth <laughs> um, to Noni on all fours, three pushes, um, 50 minutes, half the time that it took with Zuri. This uh, is amazing because it sounds just like my pushing phase and birth with Amina now. Like the all fours, three pushes, very quick. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? Not Who me. Thought? Not Janelle going through no, um, natural birth with no epidural. No, ma'am. That was definitely, when you talk about envisioning motherhood and all that, that was definitely not in my vision. <laughs> I am an epidural person through and through. It is okay. I didn't feel no type of way about it because I'm like, I don't need to feel all that pain. As long yeah. as my baby is safe and happy, I'm okay. But let me tell y'all something, okay? When I... I did feel the ring of fire. It wasn't as bad as people made me think it was going to be. I thought I was going to mm-hmm. be burning like all get out. It was a little bit of burning, but it wasn't anything that was unbearable. Yeah. And when I remember the push that got Noni out, I you really do go to a whole nother headspace. I started praying like I never prayed before. I was praying, praying, praying. And I pushed the biggest push. And that's how she, her head just like popped through and then the rest of her body came out. Mm-hmm. It was magic, like miraculous, I guess I should say. I it, I felt so good after. And mm-hmm. then she came and they delivered her up underneath me because the cord was still attached. It was weird. Yeah. Lay <laughs> um, with her. You know, we got our, our hour. Everything, it was just, everything after that was just like perfect. But I yeah. felt so strong and I felt so empowered I was like all right well it's time to go let's go home gotta get gotta get gotta get <laughs> like that's how great I felt and you know people were like oh you know maybe it's just adre- adrenaline and all that no I felt like that weeks after still like I wow. it wasn't something that like dissipated you know after we did all you know cleaning up and all that stuff and transferring me to my postpartum room and all of that I was still feeling great now apparently I tore a little more this time um but I felt my pushes I could feel my body I knew how much to you know how much force to exert I could feel her moving up and down the canal when I stopped Mm -hmm. pushing and she stuck back up in a little bit and pushed back out like I felt everything yeah it felt really good um to like push her out with being 100% there like that was great yeah uh, and my recovery oh did we talk about recovery I don't, I don't think we haven't I don't, I don't know if it was for this episode or not but yeah <laughs> I feel like maybe you could go through it a little bit quick I feel like we have to wrap this up because I have some rapid fire questions for you that I didn't put in your question oh okay yeah well, like, they're short answer they're fun we get to know you so okay. maybe we can we wrap can up. save the after portion for your okay. cartoon. Yeah. All right. Well, so yeah, that was it then. I mean, oh, it was such an empowering experience. I'm happy that I did not use an epidural the second time. I'm happy that my doula was there to speak life into me. And because she was there, Phil was able to be more a part of the birthing process as well. Yeah. It was just great all around. Like my, the staff was great. I'm still I feel so like, empowered listening to you. Like you sound like it's just exhilarating. Like you it, sound it is. like you're back I, in that moment right now. I am. It feels like I tapped into a superpower I didn't know I had. Like mm-hmm. I walked away from that feeling like I birthed a new person. Like I became 
I birthed a new person with Zuri because that was the first time I was ever the first time I became a mom. Yeah. But this time around, I felt like I birthed a whole new woman. Like wow. I it was tell us about that woman. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you now? <laughs> I just feel I feel like I can do anything. I feel like I do have, you know, we used to, you know, hashtag black girl magic and all those things and all those things about women. And that was cool. But now I actually feel that I can live that. Like that is a part of me that I have this untapped power that lives within my body that I can use at any time to get through any situation I am in. And I, I take that with me across all arenas, at work, at school, at home. I just, mm-hmm. I feel like a whole, I have a whole new confidence about myself and a whole new connection to even um, God. Like, yeah, it was, like I said, I transcended to a different place when the push that got Noni out, like I prayed the entire time she was coming out. It was, ooh. Wow. I got chills. Like, listen, do you say that? I just got chills. I feel... I feel like I'm tapping into it because the way you're speaking life into it, I guess there's, I feel such a power of like manifestation coming from you mm-hmm. in the way that you can just speak life over yourself and the way that people around you can. And like, I know we didn't really get to, I guess, how Phil was able to support you, but just hearing that your doula being present and being there enabled him to even be more present, which also enabled you to be more present. And it's just like mm-hmm. that moment feels infinite for some reason. Yeah. It is. It's locked into my brain. I remember him holding my hand, rubbing my hand, like just being there, hugging me. It was that incident that just came out. It was, oh, it was good. It was good. Uh, And no complications. She didn't get taken from me. It was with me the whole time. Yay. Got to get straight to your chest. Yes. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been so great. I feel like I learned so much more about your pregnancy and birth stories through this than even over the past few years of just <laughs> talking and texting. And that's like crazy. But I'm glad we carved out this time. So now I have some rapid fire questions for you. As y'all know, I listen to Brene Brown like every day. So obviously I am taking a page from her book and doing this. So I didn't send these uh, questions to you ahead of time. So, you know, short answers, whatever's off the top of your head, straight off the dome, basically, is perfectly fine. So first question, fill in the blank for me. Motherhood is? Amazing. Yay. (laughs) Second one, um, you're being called in five different directions, but the baby needs you, your partner needs you, your work has a deadline, the list goes on. What is the first thing you do in that moment? Oh, everybody needs me. What do I mm-hmm. do? You oh, need me. <laughs> I need me. I want to say I sleep, but um, <laughs> 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 like someone got to give. I'm being serious. I'm half. I mean, half serious, half joking. I'm gonna go with. I'll go to my baby probably. And then sleep. Okay. That's good. You prioritize. You prioritize either the baby or rest. So that's like, that's good. So third question. What are the top five songs on your birth playlist? Um, I have a birthday playlist. So I can't even tell you. Um, <laughs> the only thing I listened to was the affirmations. And then after that, it was a wrap. 
Okay, okay. So maybe tell us what was your top affirmation? Um, pregnancy is normal, natural, and safe. That was um, um, my body is healthy for um, what was it? My body is healthy for the period that I'm in right now. All of my organs remain healthy. Those are the three off the top that I remember. I like those. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. So. All right. What TV show are you binging and loving right now? Ooh, binging. Well, <laughs> man, be honest, y'all, I haven't watched TV in a long time because of school. The last thing I finished watching was not the new Game of Thrones. What's it called, Jasmine? House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon. That was the last thing I watched. Oh, and I guess Love is Blind, too. So, like, both of those. Ooh, I just finished those. <laughs> yeah. Over this next Christmas break, I'm going to try to get some of my shows in, like Power with Kanan um, and some other shows. So that's on my list. Awesome. No, I love that. The Love is Blind is like, whew. That's wow. a mess. You need Whole a podcast mess. on that. We do. <laughs> Talk about relationships. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite meal? Mmm. Ooh, it could go either way. I didn't tell you I'm Jamaican, so... It's either going to be oxtail, but has to have plantain with it. Yeah, I'm just going to go with that. Ooh. Oxtail, rice and peas, wood plantain. Um, yeah. yeah. That go sounds so good. Mm-hmm. It is delicious. What is your favorite act of self-care? Oh, traveling. <laughs> but I don't get to travel. So <laughs> I will say I like a good, good spa day, like massages. um i need that i need that to be a monthly occurrence in my life like getting a massage Mm -hmm. if you didn't say that i was gonna say that for you (laughs) (laughs) and maybe last one uh what is the thing you're most deeply grateful for these days this is gonna sound so cheesy but it really is my family uh because the reason the stage now where she's coming into our bed in the middle of the night and so all four of us are in the bed, me, Phil, and the two girls. And when I wake <laughs> up in the, in the night and I look across and just see them, the three of them, like, next to me, it really, like, brings tears to my eyes. Like, I'm like, wow. Like, this is my family for real. Like, I'm a mom. I am a wife. Like, this is my legacy here. Like, outside of everything I do, like, this is what's important. And just yeah. really warms my heart. Oh, that's lovely. Well, Janelle, I love talking to you today, and I can't wait for it to do a part two because now I need to know exactly what happened after Noni was born <laughs> and y'all getting home and stuff because obviously you had other things to do besides mm-hmm. give birth to a child. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's been great talking to you. I feel really inspired and like just brought back to like the best moments of pregnancy and giving birth and like just being able to get through all that, like, it's amazing to know how much it's changed you. And I want to get into that in our part two as well, like how your relationship dynamics has changed, how you feel you've changed. But, you know, it's so inspiring talking to you all the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Are the are the listeners going to get to hear your birth story? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I thought I probably needed to do that first. But mm-hmm. then I figured I just need to do something. And so I called you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I could do it, but I'm not used to, like, maybe podcasting with just one person. Like, I feel like I want someone to ask me the questions. Okay. We could do that. We could do a, we could do a switcheroo. 
We should, we should. Because, like, I felt like a little bit of deja vu when you were talking about on all fours, three pushes. I was like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, our babies were born the same way. <laughs> same way, same month. <laughs> yes, two days apart. Amina, my uh-huh. daughter, who is four, was born June 21st. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Noni born June 19th. Like, oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so we got to make that happen. You got to make that happen for the people. Yes, we got to. For the people, for my five listeners, which is going to be the Boosties. <laughs> I'm gonna make it happen for y'all. Y'all gonna hear it again. <laughs> nah, we speaking live. We you about to touch many, many women um with these stories of I all sure all so. sorts. I sure hope so. But yeah, I can't wait to have you back. And thanks for making time and having Phil watch the kids while we talked. I love you of so course. much. I love you too. All right, love. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening, everyone. First, first episode done. What, we what did you, it. What do you say to wrap things up? What are you supposed to say? I don't say. This is my hey, takeoff voice, then. Mama. Take off. Wrap it up. Yeah. Oh, I love you. I love you too. I will talk to you later. And thanks Bye. for listening, everybody. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs>